Welcome to On Your Own Terms. I'm Patty Talbot, and this is the place where we learn together what it takes to change the world on our own terms and in our own special ways. This week, I have with me a friend that I've known for many years professionally, and her name is Judy Diggs. Judy and I worked together at several schools in our careers, working with children, trying to serve them to the best of our abilities. And every time I had the privilege of working with Judy, she brought wisdom to the occasion, and she brought the capacity to help us all sitting around a table trying to figure out what was going on with a child, how to look at things through their point of view how to think about their needs as individuals, and how to make sure that we were showing up to understand that behavior is communication. And it's our job to do our best to try to understand what's being told to us through the behavior of a child who may not be able to express themselves as articulately as we might like. Today, I've invited Judy to share her homegrown solutions for a patchwork world, and it's given me the opportunity to catch up with all the powerful work she's done in the world since it's been quite a few years that we actually got to work together in the same space. So this is Judy Diggs sharing her homegrown solutions for a patchwork world. I was born and raised here in Montgomery County. I was born in Christiansburg, Virginia, and I've lived here the majority of my life. I did move for a few years to begin my career as a speech therapist, and I started my career in Roanoke City, and then I would, uh, did a year in Wythe County, and then I got married, and we moved to Front Royal, Virginia, and then we ended up coming back here to Montgomery County. So while I was born and raised here, I did not start my career in Montgomery County. I wanted to spread my wings and try to learn something different. I am the product of a Methodist minister and then my mom. And then I'm one of 10 children. They had 10 children together. I am number eight in the lineup. It has certainly provided an opportunity for me to learn how important and significant relationships are with varying ages. Most of my siblings were older than me. We learned how to get along, even when you didn't want to get along. So there were just a plethora of things that I learned in growing up in a large family. It took me a long time, though, to embrace the size of my family because growing up, I didn't have many peers that also had non-siblings. You know, everybody always looked at me like gasping. In fact, that still happens, but I'm okay with that. I am proud to say that I have nine siblings and that they have helped to shape who I am. They helped me to problem solve at an early age, to figure out how I was going to get through situations at an early age. I learned early that I knew I could make a difference. I just learned very, very early on that I think I was put on this earth to make a difference. I spent the first two years of my education in segregated schools. I did not go to schools with people that looked different than me until I was in third grade. And that was sort of at the pinnacle of the civil rights movement. And I was young and not 
completely embracing and understanding what was happening. We're learning how much now we didn't talk about history or the things that were going on around us. And that had an impact on me. But I had a lot of people that made the transition easy. My parents were extremely vocal. My dad was was a minister, but he was also an activist in this community. And people knew that about him. And he was not going to take a back seat. And he especially was not going to take a back seat when it came to his children. He sent two of my older siblings to the public schools when they could go before the schools were actually closed, sort of as a paving a path, and not just for the rest of us, but for like all Black children uh, here in Montgomery County. So that was interesting. You know, there were a lot of hard lessons in that, but those were the things that shaped me. I think the other piece that has really shaped me too was that then my dad died when I was young. I was 11 years old. Um, He had a form of cancer, prostate cancer, quite frankly, that was not curable back then, 50 years ago. So um, then we were raised, the the last five of us were raised just by my mother. I always like to describe my mother as a social worker without a degree. So while she was not college educated, she herself just believed in being a support to any and everyone. She was the epitome of the pastor's wife. I mean, she loved everybody and everybody loved her. But then she went on to take a job with community action. She just got absorbed in her ability to to form those relationships, especially with marginalized populations and provide them with supports that they needed. And I just think she emulated that. And I liked what I saw and thought that's not a bad path to follow. So I think that she certainly paved the way for just not me, but many of my family members. We have several of us that are teachers, several that went in law enforcement. I have a brother that's a pastor. So we all ended up kind of picking up some aspect of both of our parents and believing that we needed to utilize our skills as as well as our just that your intuition to be there to help others. I spent 40 years as an educator. And as I have already mentioned, my my career started as a speech therapist. And that catapulted me into so many different areas, simply because I think of my passion. I would say my primary passion is for children and to see children be successful, all children. It was just always a goal of mine to see all children be successful and recognize that all children have the potential to reach their own levels of success or their own levels of blossoming and blooming and being contributing members to our community. So I think it all started there and just seeing that and understanding that in order for that to happen, all humans need a champion, really. But I was living in the world with children, and so that was always where my focus was. But it didn't take long again for me to realize that if if I'm going to make the students be champions, I've got to get to know them. I have to know them and then to get to know them means I have to know their families. So 
I just felt like it was always important for me to build those relationships, form relationships, develop those relationships, nurture those relationships so that we had a good working relationship between me and whichever the students were that I was working with. So that parents would trust and believe that someone had the back of their children and was going to help them to be successful. That's important, whether I'm working with, with students, whether I was working with their parents, and I just believe that about all people. I believe that there's a place in this world for everyone. I do believe that my religious background plays a huge part in that. You know, I grew up in a household where it was very religious in nature. It was also spiritual in nature. So I, I think I focus more from a spiritual nature than a religious nature. I just believe that we have to be ready to lift one another. And we find those opportunities to do that. And I do think that there has to be a focus on us lifting people that are marginalized or have less opportunities or less ability to reach their potential or to help move those barriers so that their potential can be reached. I know for myself, I recognized where my privilege was and there wasn't a lot of it, but I do recognize where that was. And I always try to remember that as I'm reaching out to help someone else, that I, someone helped me. I don't walk around saying, well, I made it, so why can't you make it? I just don't believe that that's the way it works. I do believe that whether I acknowledge every aspect of the help that came to me along the way, I did get help. And I just think that paying it forward, that's one of the ways that you do it is by you reach down and you help someone else. And I did have to learn about those interactions because anytime I take a personality test or early on, that's changed. But early on when I would take personality tests, I realized that I'm really more of an introvert than an extrovert. Like I'm not necessarily this person that just runs out there and is just ready to greet the world and I'm happy to do that and I can strike up a conversation easily. I, I had to grow into that. Now I married a person that is that person. He literally could walk up to a stop sign and, and carry on a conversation and could probably get the stop sign to say something back to him. Uh, but, but that was not me. So I had to grow into that. But it was those relationships. It was those opportunities that I was given to empower students that I was working with that I realized I have to take this one step further. And so whether I'm comfortable or not, I need to learn how to enhance my own ability to reach out and figure out how can I be a catalyst for bringing people on board, for involving people, engaging people, and making people feel comfortable and like they are a part of what's going on. And so I have felt that way. It doesn't really matter to me, like really who I'm working with. And with students, that was important. With their parents, it was important. I like to say that, you know, I was making home visits into homes by myself. I know that's probably frowned upon now, right? But I would make those home visits when home visits weren't popular. But in order for me to understand really what was happening, really understanding the experiences that my students had, 
I had to know those experiences. And knowing those experiences made me comfortable being able to really reach out to families and being a good listener, being willing to hear their stories, never judging their stories, understanding that now we move from here. I have to meet people where they are. And so in my adult life and some of my experiences and some of most of these are through my church, just looking for those opportunities to support the marginalized populations, regardless of what it's around, whether it's homelessness or food insecurity, it, do, it just doesn't matter. Just being willing to meet people where they are and helping them to know that I know situations and times are hard and understanding that and understanding that we're not going to just change things overnight. I don't try to go in and be anybody's savior because that's not what people are looking for. Everything has evolved into me understanding that it's important to have those interactions, but to do it in a loving and trusting kind of way and doing it in a way where people feel like they've been embraced and accepted. work has kind of spoken for itself in terms of if I could change the world, if I really believe that I can change the world. I think that my just my, my journey has spoken to that. I just think that almost anything that I've done, it's almost catapulted me naturally into the next step or the next level. My journey started as a speech therapist. That's where it started. I had the ability to be reaching and meeting the needs of of students. And then I had a just kind of a natural inclination for students who may come to school with different behavior issues and trying to figure out like what's driving that? What's the force behind that? Because I do believe that behavior communicates and it is telling us something. And to dismiss it means we're dismissing a message. And so I've never wanted to dismiss that message. That kind of naturally catapulted me into some positions that I never thought I would be in. Fast forward to 30 years into my career, and then that's leading me to be working with students with variation of disabilities and advocating for those students and, and advocating for their positions, both in their schools and in the classroom, to then advocating for students at the student services level, at the district level, creating those policies, or at least being at the table as policy was being developed and having a say-so when I felt like the policies were not inclusive and did not involve all students. And I, I just always laugh about my last position because my last position was, of course, a director of equity and inclusion. And as I started going to workshops, I would just be like, I've actually been given the title to do what I felt like I always, what I was always doing. I was always looking for equity. I was always looking for opportunities so that all students are included, that they get what they need when they need it. It just seemed like the natural fit for me, but I was also old and <laughs> just realized that I had already almost put in 40 years and I didn't know that I wanted to continue working at it from that position. In retirement, I thought that doesn't mean that I can't continue to make sure that I'm an advocate for equitable outcomes for 
just all humans. Now I don't just have to focus on children. I can focus on many marginalized populations and advocating for policy change and advocating for let's embrace human dignity because that's really, I think, what I like. Embrace human dignity and show that we can care for one another. And it doesn't mean we always have to agree with one another. But it does mean that we show respect and we give grace where grace is needed, just so that we can embrace one another and see if we can come up with solutions where everybody gets to be a winner or everybody at least gets to walk away from the table feeling like they were heard, feeling like they were understood and feeling like somebody cares. I just think that that's important. I, at one point I had thought, you know, I'm going to retire and I'm just going to start my own 5013C and do that, right? I, once I retired, I thought there's just so many different places that already exist that I could just tap in and I don't need to reinvent the wheel. I could just join and be a part of what's already existing and, and just see if I could continue to be a change agent in that manner. most proud of right now is the influence that I've had on my own children and the things that they want to do. And they're doing it from two variations, if you will. I think I'm proud that they've heard the message and they're trying to create their own missional kinds of way to give back to the community, to lift others in the community and to empower and be impactful, to encourage others. And so I think probably just continue. It doesn't, the work hasn't just stopped with me. I keep telling my daughter, who is a school counselor now that we're probably a road show and we just haven't figured that piece out. <laughs> she can give it from the millennial perspective and I can give it from a very old person perspective. Even my son, who more in the business world, but gave up corporate America just because of the many facets of that, that is not about empowering, especially the people that create and make corporations work. And then, you know, he was a young man. So being middle management and really not having any ability to change things, he just said, I'm going out and I'm going to do my own thing. And I'm going to treat my employees like I thought they should have been treated in the world that I came from. So I, I think that that's an important aspect of what I hope I've instilled and not just in my children, but I hope I've impacted others in the same way. is extremely important for people to be involved in their communities and be involved in a way where we can impact change. And so there's dialogue on race. I participate in the education committee, but there's four other committees that are really working to impact change and coming together and really trying to create ways in which we're doing that and not just talking about it. Um, I think the NAACP is another way in which you could do that. For me, I just think it's important to be involved in any organization where they are working to reach and minimize the impact 
of some of our, our societal ways that get in the way from people in the margins being able to make progress. So whether that's community action, whether that's McKeep, anything where you feel like that you can join and be a part of, there are lots of opportunities to offer assistance to be supportive, to offer either your gifts and talents or just a helping hand. Many, many organizations within our own community. And then I also think it's important to find out what kinds of supports are needed in places that offer mental health supports. Are there ways to participate and partner with some of those organizations there are many, many times there are families who are in need and either as a person or as an organization, you can do some partnerships with them to figure out ways that you just embrace people and make them, again, being a champion, just being a champion for other people in the community. But I think that those would probably be some of the most powerful ways that you can do that. I think if you're passionate about something, then don't be afraid to use that passion to influence change. I think it's the passion that helps to influence change. And I just hope and believe that all of us have the ability to walk around and see what's going on in our community. You don't even really have to necessarily go somewhere to find somebody that's in need. Sometimes it hits you, it smacks you in the face in a moment or in a time where you don't necessarily expect it. And if you have that passion to encourage and empower and embrace, use it. Be ready to use it in the moment. You don't have to wait for some special event or some special time to do it. Just be ready to go out there and say, I'm going to change the world today and I don't even know what it's going to look like. But if it hits me in the face, I'm sure I'll recognize it and I'm just going to do it. And vote. Thank you, Judy. As always, I learn from you. I'm inspired by you. And I'm moved by the way that you stand up and try to make sure that all the voices are heard around any table that's fortunate enough to have your presence. Folks, I hope you'll take Judy's advice about getting involved in your own community and helping all voices be heard. Even though she calls herself retired, <laughs> this woman is not giving up. She's working at the state level. She's working at the local level. She's working with her family and in her community to make sure that all humans' lives are honored and all humans have their needs met. I hope you'll follow Judy's work, and I hope you'll be inspired to use her life story as a message and a guide for your own in some special way that suits you on your own terms. I also hope you'll follow my work at blueroadseducation.org. We have opportunities for you to gather together in changemaker circles. We have opportunities for you to get empowerment coaching so that you can be your strongest, most healthful and confident self as you work to courageously go out in the world and change the world on your own terms. Next week, we'll feature another amazing changemaking woman. And in the meantime, May you be grounded in your beingness, guided in your doingness, generous in your connectedness, and inspired in your reflectiveness so you can change the world on your own terms. I'm Patty Talbot. I'm always learning. 
And I know you are too. Thank you.